Good morning, everybody. Wasn't worship awesome? Man, I listened to that, or not listened, but I participated in worshiping on that last song. And, you know, the more of you. And I mean, we are always going to be in a constant state of needing and wanting more of Him. Are we not? I don't care where you are or where you will ever be on your spiritual journey. And that song will always be true. It will always be true. And in many ways, that, that is not the title of my message this morning, but in many ways that is kind of the overall point of my message and uh, some points, I guess, that I think are important in order to always be chasing after more of Him. Because that's really the, the secret sauce, if you will, to all of our lives, no matter who we are, where we're at, wherever we're ever going to be, it's always chasing after more of Him. And I thought about this as I was preparing for this message this morning. Do you ever think about why you are here? Not necessarily on this earth or what your calling is. I just mean, why are you sitting here listening to me right now? Why are, you, why are you here coming to church? Because it wasn't, no matter why you came here, or maybe a spouse or a loved one drug you here, you, you being here is not an accident. It's not an accident. There, there, there's a reason you are here. You didn't just get up this morning, start driving in your car, and then you walked in and you're like, wait a minute, I thought I was at Denny's or Cracker Barrel for breakfast. You were... You were coming to church. And here's my point. My point is, there's always a reason why we're here. And no matter where we're at, no matter who you are, at some point, you're here because you need something. If, if you didn't need something, you, you wouldn't be here. If you weren't looking for something... Now, I'm not saying you think about this as I'm describing it, but if you weren't looking for something in your life, you wouldn't be here because you're busy. There's lots of things to do. There's lots of fun things to do, but you're here for a reason. It may be to find friends. It may be to build community. It may be because you like church. It may be because you like songs, like, like to participate in worship. It may be because a loved one drug you here. But all of us are in the same point at this point. You're, you're here for a reason. And I would say, kind of like that song says, that you are here because you want more or need more in some area of your life. Some of them are spiritual. Some of them are practical. And I would submit to you this morning that they're both of those reasons. Some are spiritual and some are practical. But we're all on the same level. We're here because we're looking for something. You know, this Christian life that we talk about, this Christian life is a constant, a, a constant quest, so to speak, of loving God, knowing God, worshiping God, developing a deeper relationship with Him, 
and what, what this book says. Again, no matter where we're at, you could be, this could be your very first Sunday, or you could be, have gone to Sunday services for the last 45 years. You're always going to be in a constant search for more of Him if you're live, living the Christian life that He's designed us to live. If you think of what we're, what we're embarking on this, this year at church, and Pastor Matt has said from, from the very first service of the year, this year is going to be the greatest year of spiritual growth. Everyone's heard that before, right? Unless maybe you're new here today. Pastor Matt said this is the greatest year of spiritual growth. What he is not talking about, he is not talking about the church as a whole. What he's talking about is you. What he's talking about is you, each and every one of us. We as a corporate group of believers, we're contending for each and every one of us that this will be the greatest year of spiritual group growth in all of our lives. And I know some of you are thinking, yeah, nothing's happened. Nothing's happened. Well, as great as you think Pastor Matt is, this is not a joke, actually, but he is great. But, but just because Pastor Matt says something, it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to happen. In order for you to achieve the greatest year of spiritual growth in your life, you are going to have to do something about it. Sooner or later, you're going to have to put yourself in a position for God to do that in your life. And I just lost a whole bunch of people. <laughs> You're like, wait a minute, I thought God was going to help me. He is going to help you, but you have to allow him the opportunity to do what he does. Let us pray. Father, we just thank you for this word this morning. Lord, if we could be so bold this morning to say and to ask that we are demanding your presence this morning. Lord, we are nothing without you, your word, your spirit, your direction, your wisdom. Lord, for our individual lives, Lord, I just ask that we'd be a people with courage to seek more of you on a daily basis. And Lord, I just thank you that you've, for some reason, in all your wisdom, you chose me on this Sunday morning to deliver your word. And Lord, I just pray that you give me the courage and the boldness and the wisdom and discernment to, to deliver the message that you've called me to deliver. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. Well, again, I don't know where you are on your spiritual journey in life, but in some ways, we're all at the same place. Actually, in lots of ways, we're all in the same place because at some point, we're all humans and uh, we think about things the same and on some level. But no matter where you are, here's what Isaiah 43, 18 and 19 says. 18 and 19 of Isaiah 43 basically says that no matter where you are, no matter who you are, God is doing a new thing. 
So when I talked about this is going to be the greatest year of spiritual growth, and you were looking at me like I was crazy, that nothing's happened, well, I've got news for you. You know what God says about that? Even if maybe you're in a stagnation spiritual place right now, that God is doing a new thing. Verse 18, do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth, shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. So those of you that think that you've got no hope, that God is not going to do anything in your life, he will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. This is true no matter where you are on your spiritual journey with Christ. And I started out this message saying, why are you here? And everybody's got an answer for that. Everybody's got a reason. But now that you're here and you're sitting down, you know what the fact is? The fact is now that you are here and you are in listening proximity to the most powerful words that will ever change your life. So you might as well sit back and enjoy it, right? Here we go. So what actually, you're going to have to listen to me careful on this, because if I screw up a few words, which I may, I have, I've tended to do, I'm not as really great as Pastor Guy alluded to, but uh, I'm going to try to say this carefully. You know, when you think about what, what actually is church, what are we doing here on a Sunday morning? What's, what's the impact of this time we have together. Now, the things I'm going to say, I'm not downplaying the impact of the Sunday morning service, but what, I, what, I, what I'm trying to convey here is that the impact of the Sunday morning service is only, let's say, an hour half of your life. The greater time spent in your life is outside of the four walls of the building. So we come to here and we celebrate Jesus and we worship Jesus and we listen to word, and we should. Those are all great things. But your life, your life, this, this Bible, the truth in here, it's not about church. This is not about church. This is about you. This is about you. The greatest year of spiritual growth. It's not about the church. It's about you. I'll give you an example. Let's just, say, let's just say we have 300 people. Let's say we have 299 people that had their greatest year of spiritual growth in this church. But there was one person that didn't have it. And that one person was you. Do you really care what happened in the church? With the other 299 people, now you'd be glad, you'd be happy, but it's not going to change your life. Here's my point. This is all about you. This is all about you and Jesus. Sooner or later, sooner or later, your life, you have to understand that it's going to come down to you and Jesus. This book, this book is for you. The promises in this book are for you. 
The truths in this book are for you. The miracles in this book are for you. The stories in this book are for you. Sooner or later, we have to understand that our lives, spiritual or practical, come down to the relationship between you and Jesus. And now don't get me wrong, church is very, very, very important. And unfortunately in our world, one of the reasons why our world is maybe not in the best place it could be is that church attendance is declining rapidly. And I know what some of you are thinking, oh yeah, that's because of COVID. No, that was pre-COVID. COVID just exasperated what's going on. And throughout my years of a pastor, pastor, I've met with many people that come to me with whatever their problems are or questions, and I'm more than happy to meet with them. But there's, there's, but there's this group that I'll meet with, not a group, just group, and you know, people that come to me throughout the years, and they'll say, well, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm just too busy to come to church on Sunday, or I work every Sunday. And some of these people do have really good reasons. I'm not saying that, right? Well, I, I come to, I have to, I have to work every Sunday, or I'm tired, or my kids have games, or I have this, or I have that, and they'll give me all these kinds of reasons why they can't come to church. And some of them can actually pull out some scriptures of the Bible where they, don't, they can show you, and it kind of does make sense that they can live this Christian life without coming to church. And even kind of you can construe what I'm saying, that it's about you and Jesus. You can kind of do that without being in a building. But here's what I'll say about coming to church. And this is actually when somebody comes to me with that, I will tell them. I'm like, hey, I understand what you're saying. But in my experience, I have never met a person, or especially a family, but I've never met any really human being that has been able to live the Christian life the way this book outlines it without being a part of a group of fellow believers. I've just, I've never met the person. And what I don't tell them, but I'm thinking when these people are telling me, I often think, you know what, actually, if you were actually a part of a Bible-believing church, you probably wouldn't be needing to meet with me right now with the superficial issue that you're telling me. And I'm not down, I'm not, I'm not uh, what's the word, I'm not downgrading or not having empathy for, their, for the thing that they're going through. I, what I, but what I'm trying to show you today is it's about this relationship with Jesus, and it's about this book and what this book says to us. But sooner or later, we have to understand that this is what our life comes down to. And you say, why, why are you making such a big deal about this? Because two things. I, p- part of my, like, I, I don't know what, what you would call it, like, I, I guess it would be one of my great passions of life is to under, for, for Christians, really all people, for Christians to understand to, under, to really understand and believe that this book and what this book affords you, the opportunity to, is available to everybody. And it's not, it's not as far as away as you think. And then secondly, here's one that this will sound a little, uh, I don't know, defeating, I guess. That's probably not the word. But we're all on the same level on this next point too, unfortunately, is that you know what? We are all going to die. At some point, you're going to die. We are going to die. 
You don't know when, but it's going to happen. You can take that to the bank. It's going to happen. But here's why I say that. While you're living, you might as well live. You, you might as well go for it. And I appreciate the hand clap there, but it was a terrible hand clap. But this is the point I'm trying to get. We might as well live. Man, the stories in this book, man, I want to I live them out. And, I believe, and it's all about the, the song about more of you. Because I think when we have more of him, man, our life just explodes. And I have three points this morning that I believe will always draw, drive your life. They'll always drive your life. They'll always put you in a position to receive more of him. And the title of my message this morning is Sooner or Later. And before I give you these three points, I will warn you that these three points, most of you here today are not going to like them. <laughs> it's probably a terrible, terrible strategy of public speaking anyway to tell you, I'm going to tell you something, you're not going to like it. But the fact is, you're just not going to like it. Why? Because nothing that I say right now is going to be new. Nothing's going to be innovative. You, you've heard it all before. None of it's going to be really deep, is what you're going to be thinking. But in reality, it's going to be about as deep as you can possibly get. And you've heard these, you've heard these all before. But sooner or later, you're going to have to take control of your life and do these three things. No matter where you're at, no matter where you are. Point number one, sooner or later, you will need to read the book. Sooner or later, you will need to read the book. And it's great that you're here in church. And you would think that I'm speaking to church people that I see every Sunday, and I see lots of you. But I also know the reality of the situation. There are people that I see every Sunday. There are people that come to serve in this church. And you know what? One of the things they're missing? They don't read the book. They don't read the book. Well, how are you going to live life without reading the book? And some of you are saying, well, yeah, I, 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 I read the book. I know what's in the book. Well, we all kind of know what's in the book, but I'm just saying reading the book because we need to read the book like our lives depend on it. Yeah. I need to read this book like my marriage depends on it. I need to read this book like my calling depends on it. I need to read this book like my relationships depend on it. Yeah. I need to read the book. I can't do anything without reading the book. And I started off here by saying these three points, they're going to change your life. But also, this point right here, I'm not asking you to radically change anything that you are or are not doing. 
I'm not asking you to flip your world upside down. I'm not asking you to carve a whole bunch of time out of your schedule. I'm not asking you to quit your job. I'm not asking you to sever relationships. I'm not asking you to do anything else like that. All I'm asking you to do is read the book on a daily basis. And I'm not telling you how to read it. I'm not saying you have to read it front to cover like a novel in the next month. I'm not, reading, I'm not saying you have to get on a one-year reading Bible plan. All I'm saying is you need to develop a relationship with Jesus on a daily basis to read the book and read it like your life depends on it. This is the only instruction we will ever need. Hey, reading just any type of book is great. Reading's good for you. Knowledge is good for you. This is wisdom. This is wisdom. Billy Graham once said that knowledge is horizontal, but wisdom is vertical because it comes from above. That's what I want for my life. That's what we want for our life. If we want to have the greatest year of spiritual growth, I would, I would tell you as loud and as many times as I tell you, in order for that to happen, you are going to have to read the book. There's just, there's just no other way. Scripture says in John 8, 32, And you will know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Ephesians 4, 13 to 14. Till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to be a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro, and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. The Scripture protects us. The Scripture protects us. The truth shall set you free. Because there are no, I'm telling you, in this world, there are no, no new ideas to happiness. There are no new ideas to success. There are no new ideas to peace. There are no, new, no new ideas. You fill in the blank of whatever you're searching for. The truth shall set you free. And whenever, whenever you do find that, it has to line up with this book. If it doesn't line up with this book, it's not truth, and eventually it's not going to help you. It might, it might make you happy momentarily, or it may trick you and deceive you for a little while. But at any time of your life, you're always going to have to get back to the truth. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 2. And I would say this verse is for all, all us people that are worriers, or we're anxious, or we're, stress, we're stressed, and we have no peace. This is what 2 Peter 1 and 2 says. May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. That's what the Bible says. And again, some of these are very simple points. Not actually some of them, all of them. Now, I'm with you. They're really, really, really hard to do. And if we've been Christians for a while, we say, ah, I know what the book says. I want the Holy Spirit to speak to me. Well, you know what the best way to have the Holy Spirit speak to you and for you to hear the Holy Spirit? Read this book. 
Because you know what this is? You know what this, is? This, is, this is the Holy Spirit in, in written form. That's what this is. And as I speak this morning, here's what I would warn you, not just when I speak, but in your entire life. Don't get distracted by the simplicity of Jesus. Don't get distracted by the simplicity of Jesus. And we say, boy, I've read the Bible. Man, some of these verses are complicated. Maybe. But if you ever said that, just maybe set those verses aside for a little bit and read the verses you can't understand. But don't be distracted by the simplicity of Jesus. And I'll give you an example of what I mean. And I'll give you an example that our Jesus, your creator, in my mind, is the simplest human being that has ever walked the face of the earth. The most simple man I've ever known. And I'll give you an example. Let's just pretend for a second that you've never heard of Jesus. You've never heard of church. You've never seen a church. You've never heard of the Bible. You you don't know any of this stuff. And I start to tell you about this man named Jesus and his plan. And his plan for humanity and more importantly his plan for you. And then I tell you about this heaven and all that heaven is and all that heaven has for you. If I outline those two things, what are most people going to say? Most people are going to say, wow, that is awesome. I want that for my life. And I want it so bad, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do all kinds of good deeds. I'm going to show up to church every Sunday. I'm going to be the first person there and the last person to leave. I'm going to be there to help clean the church and help serve. And I'm going to do missions. And I'm going to I'm going to memorize 635 Bible scriptures, and I'm going to do one more every day, and I'm going to carry around a John 3.16 sign, and I'm going to listen to Joy FM all day long, and I'm going to put a Life Church X bumper sticker on the back of my car. I'm going to do all these things. I'm going to quit my job, and I'm going to work at a church or quit my job and go feed homeless people. All great things. But you know what Jesus is going to say? That, that sounds ridiculous. You actually don't have to do any of that. All you have to do to be saved is to invite him into your heart and claim his as your Lord and Savior. Now, I don't know about what your simple meter is, but that's pretty simple. That's pretty simple. We add things to make it hard. And you say, well, it can't be that simple. It really is that simple. Well, do you have, do you have scripture to back that up? Well, as a matter of fact, I do. Thanks for asking. <laughs> Second Corinthians chapter 11, 3 and 4. But I fear lest somehow, as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. For if he who comes preaches another Jesus, whom we have not preached, 
or if you receive a different spirit, which you have not received, or a different gospel, which you have not accepted, you may well put up with it. It's that simple. We can either believe this, or we can believe the world. And the world is just out there to deceive us. But when we know the truth, when we know the truth, that's when we have freedom in our life because that's the basis where we can make our decisions. Amen? Romans 10, 17 says, So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We all want faith. That's one of the greatest, most used Christian buzzwords, right? Man, I want to build my faith. I got great faith. Well, how, how are you going to build that faith? How are you going to have that faith? What that scripture says, it's based on the word. When I read the word, I know what the truth is. And when I read the word, I know what to have faith in. You have to read the book. When I was growing up in like grade school and high school, and you guys all had this too, you'd have the summer reading program where you'd have to read like three or four books and then you'd come back to school and um, you'd have a test on that. Anybody else have that? Yeah? Yeah? Well, I'm not, I'm not much of a reader. Wasn't back then anyway. And certainly not in the summer. So this example is actually for probably every English class I had in high school. But, you know, you'd get the book. You'd have to read, you know, like, I don't even know what they were, To Kill a Mockingbird or, you know, whatever they were. You know, you know what they are. You know, I never read the book. <clears throat> I know, it's silly. But then you go and take the test, and you don't do very good on the test, Right? And then you come home and mom's like, mom, hey, how'd you do it? Oh, I, don't, I didn't do very good. Man, this thing was so hard. It was so hard. Yeah, all these questions. You know, like, who, who am I, how am I supposed to know who the main character is? You know? That's what life's like. Why do you think I didn't know any of the answers? I didn't read the book. How come sometimes in my life, when things aren't working out or I'm making some bad decisions, you know why that is? Because I probably haven't read the book. You have to read the book in order to know the answers. Number two. This kind of goes in hand in hand with number one, as you can imagine. But number two, sooner or later, you need to believe what the book says. Sooner or later, you need to believe what the book says. You need to believe what the book says about him, who he is, who he says he is. And here's the really important thing. Here's the really, really, really important thing. You need to believe what the book says says about you. You need to believe what the book says about you. And you may be here for the very first time today, and you have no idea what I'm talking about, and that's fine. But I'm just telling you, and you may never heard about Jesus until right now, but I'm just telling you 
You haven't realized this, but this book, this book is about you. And you have to believe what the book says about you. And I know you're thinking, there's lots of people that are thinking, man, that's what's really hard. What's really hard is to believe this book. It's not hard. It's not hard. And I'll, I'll give you a couple examples that should prove to you. There's lots of guys that are fishermen in this building, right? You go to ponds and lakes and rivers all the time. Why do you do that? Because you believe there are fish in there. And all you see is a lot of water. I know somebody's saying, no, they're sight fishing. I see it. Yeah, I know, they're sight fishing. But you'll go to, I mean, you'll go to any lake, pond, stream, you name it. Why? Because you believe there are fish in there. Not only do you believe there are fish in there, you will buy all kinds of gear. You will buy lures and poles. Finally, finally, I'm getting somewhere, right? Finally, I'm getting somewhere. Poles and lines. You'll get all kinds of equipment. My sons have recently discovered fishing in the last few years. We have the UPS guy drop off like, I'm not kidding you, Pastor Guy, like fishing junk like all the time. I don't even know what it is. And supposedly it's like a really good deal. You got to have it, right? (laughs) But some of you guys, not only we do all that, you'll go out and you'll have to buy a boat to catch these fish you can't see, but you believe they're there. Hey, I am just getting started, Pastor Guy, so you just, you know. Not only will you buy a boat, you'll buy the trailer, because you have to have a trailer with a boat. Then after that, you'll convince your wife you have to have the new truck to pull the trailer that has the boat on it so you can get to these fish because you believe there's the, the monster in there that you got to have. Believing's easy. Ladies, I'll get to you in a minute. (laughs) One more on the guys. There's lots of guys that hunt in here, right? Well, back to the fishing for a second. I've been fishing with Pastor Matt before, and I know guys probably been multiple times. You know, the way Pastor Matt does things, everything's extreme, right? I mean, everything is extreme. We're at the Lake of the Ozarks. I mean, this was probably 10 years ago. And I'm there with like a fishing pole and a worm, right? I mean, whatever, right? I mean, he comes down. I mean, he has got every... I mean, I think the guy had like three tackle boxes. I mean, he had everything, and he's telling me, hey, you got to do this. I'm like, dude, I got a hook and a worm, and it's going in the water. Something bites it, it bites it. <laughs> but then he gets, he gets his... He throws it out there, and, you know, the, the fish is, you know, get, biting it or whatever you call it. And I mean to tell you, I mean, he yanks this thing, I mean, with every pound of force that I have seen in a human being. And then he's all upset because he missed the fish. And I'm like, no, dude, you didn't miss, miss the fish. That fish was on it, and you yanked so hard, you, you ripped that lure right out of that thing's jaw. But anyway, my hunting story. The same thing for you hunters out there. You will get your, you get your deer stand and your ammo and all this, and it'll be, 
I don't know, 10 degrees outside, and you will sit in this little tree stand and wait out there all day because you believe that the deer is going to run by, right? Okay, not only that, I had a buddy that I used to work for, work with. You know what he would do? Because I've seen it. He had like this little jar of it. In order to attract the deer, some of you know where I'm going with this. In order to attract the deer, because he believed deer were out there, he would spray himself with deer urine. So wait a minute. You're going to sit out there in the freezing cold. And excuse my language, but you're, you're going to sit and pee all day because you believe that there's deer out there? Okay. So now here's my point. Here's my point. <clears throat> Who's the crazy one? Who's the crazy one? The guys that are believing for all these things, Right? Because you know what some of those guys think? The people that believe this book are the crazy ones. Who's the crazy one? If you can believe for that big fish, you can believe what God thinks about you. Now the ladies. (laughs) The ladies. Some of you have a tough time believing in this book, although it's proven. But you'll go out probably this afternoon, actually. You'll go out to every shopping center and every mall and every store believing that there's that one thing out there that you just have to have. And from what I've been told numerous times, I just had to get it because the store was giving it away. <laughs> now, sometimes my wife would go to the store and she'd say, I was, they were giving it away. Well, how much did giving it away cost me? Because <laughs> it's always cost me something. Somebody's getting something out of this today, right? Hey, sooner or later, you need to read the book. Luke 22. I'm sorry, Luke 12. Luke 12, verse 22. Then he said to his disciples, therefore I say to you, and this is for all of us that worry, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, nor about the body, what you will put on. Life is more than food and the body is more than clothing. Consider the the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, which have neither storehouse nor barn, and God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? It's a lot more effective to believe than it is to worry. And hopefully you can prove that to yourself. 
Because how many times have you really believed for something after praying about it, knowing it's God's will, praying about it, and it's, and it's happened? On the flip side of that, how many times have you worried about something and that worry has actually worked out? Yeah. Or that worry has actually produced any fruit in your life? Worry is never the answer, and actually it expresses doubt in what we're reading and what we're supposed to believe in. Number three, sooner or later, you will need to live out this book. Sooner or later, you'll need to live out this book. At some level, at some level, life is always about action. Life is always about action and decisions and what you're doing next. And sometimes, even when you say, well, I'm in a period of I'm waiting on God, maybe you are. Maybe you are. But whenever I say that about myself, as soon as I say, I'm just going to wait on God on this, I check myself because I'm thinking, wait a minute, am I waiting on God? Or is God waiting on me? But even if you're waiting on God, you are still active and taking action. Even on my first two points today, even if you're waiting on God, you're still reading the book and believing what the book says. There's never a time when waiting on God means I do nothing. There's never a time when waiting on God says, I do nothing. And sometimes in my own life, I think to myself, man, what of all the great opportunities God's given me? And even if I, if I made a list of all those great things that I've accomplished through him, it would be awesome. We'd all have that list. But every time I think about, man, what is this list that I've really obeyed God? Then I think, Man, what about all the times in my life when I probably haven't done what he's asked me to do? We're human beings and we're fallible people. So I would bet that for most of us, probably all of us, the list of times where we've actually obeyed him is much longer than the list of times where we have obeyed him. But life's not about perfection because we're never going to achieve perfection. Life's more about how many times can I get it right and actually obey him. And I'll give you a little hint. And these are hints to myself. I'll give you a little hint. When God tells you to do something, you know what the answer is? The answer is always yes. The answer is always yes. My wife and I, well, actually, in our entire family, we haven't had any children for the last couple years, I guess, maybe a year and a half, but prior to that, about eight years ago, we were a foster family, and we've had 28 kids over that time. And I, I can't tell you that I heard from God initially on that. It was more my wife's doing, and I was along for the ride, just, yeah, it sounds good, it sounds good. And it's been remarkable for our, our family, but long story short, 
she'd always, when she'd get a call from the uh, social agency or whatever it was, she'd call me and say, hey, there's the situation. Hey, can we go get a, can we get a baby at 3 o'clock? Yeah. The second one, yeah. Third one, she did this like three times when we get the call. And I appreciate her calling and asking me, but finally about the fourth time, because I figured, hey, by this time, uh, you know, I'm, I'm slow to the game sometimes, right? God has to speak to me numerous times before, you know, I get that it, we're probably doing his will. But by that time, I'm like, well, you know what? God's called us. Part of our calling is to be parents, and that has, it's also to other kids in this situation, others than ourselves. And then I, I finally told him, you know what? You can probably stop calling me. Because I thought to myself, if we put ourselves in this situation, and really God's put us in this situation, are you ever going to call me? And I'm actually going to say, no. Now, that was one small segment of my life. But what if every time God called me to do something, what if I lived my life every day where I was like, you know what, God? Whatever the question is you're asking me to do, my answer is always yes. That's what living a life of action is. That's what living a life of faith is. And again, the stuff I'm saying is so simple and so basic. I'm not asking you to radically change your day-to-day schedule for the most part. I'm not asking you to, to flip your world upside down. What I'm saying is, is that if you do these three things, if you read the book, if you believe the book, if you act out the book, your world will be flipped upside down. Everybody's looking for more. Lots of people are looking for something different. Lots of people are looking for a change. If you want any of those things, the three things that we're talking about this morning, that's the answer to all these things. Sooner or later, we need to get in the game. There's a great story of Peter. Peter's one of my favorite, favorite biblical characters. Because of this story. And most of you have heard it. But I think Peter gets a bad rap. A lot of times Peter gets the rap of, hey, you were the guy that was trying to walk on water and you lost your faith. Right? Because they're in the middle of this storm. Peter and his buddies are in the boat. It's stormy. It's windy. The waves, they're scared to death. And then they say, Jesus out there. And Peter basically says, Lord, if that's you, let me know. We'd be looking for a sign, right? And about 43 signs, and I'd have to call Pastor Guy to see what he thought about it and maybe sing me a favorite worship song, and maybe I'd have to call a prayer partner. I'd have to do all these things. You know what Jesus said? Come. Jesus said one word. Jesus said one word. You know what all the guys in the boat did? Nothing. Nothing. You know what Peter did? Peter, the guy that had little faith because once he took his eye off Jesus, he started to drown. You know what 
Peter did that the other guys didn't. He got out of the boat. Now, to me, Peter's not the guy necessarily that sank. I understand that's part of the story. But to me, for my life, you know what inspires me and motivates me about Peter? He's the one guy, the one guy that got out of the boat. The greatest year of your spiritual life is not going to be found in the boat. It is not going to be found in the boat. The greatest year of your spiritual life is going to be found outside of the boat. And you say, what if I lose focus? What if I lose faith and I start to drown? You know what? I am telling you, there's about a 99.99999% chance at some point after getting out of the boat, you're going to lose focus, you're going to lose a little faith, and you're going to start to drown. And you know what you do next time? You get back out of the boat. Because Jesus saved Peter, he's going to save you. And sometimes the greatest works in our life is what happens after you drowned and Jesus gets you back in the boat. What are you going to do after you get back in the boat? Knowledge let me read the script. James 1.22. Don't be doers of the word and not hearers of and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. If you are hearers only of the word, the Bible says you are deceiving yourselves. Knowledge without action is useless. The person who truly believes God's word is not necessarily the one who studies it or who argues it but the one who obeys it. We need to live a life of getting out of the boat. What will God do with our lives? What will God do with our lives after we get out of the boat? Pastor Guy, you can come up. You know, there are lots of things. There are lots of things that you can do to improve your life. There's lots of things that you can do to make you happy. There's lots of things that you can give you peace for a short time. There's a small list of things that will change your life forever. And it's this book. Lots of things will make you happy short term. If you want to be happy today, if you want to have a great day and you want to be happy today, go get some ice cream. You'll be happy. You want to be happy for a week? Take some vacation from work and go on a vacation. You'll be happy for a week. You want to be happy for a lifetime? You want to live the Christian life and all that's afforded to you while you can? Man, it's in this book. Sooner or later, you need to take control of your life. Sooner or later, we need to read this book. 
We need to believe in it. And then we need to act on it. Sooner or later, we need to make those decisions.